Welcome to Eating In With Taster. Taster believe in making every meal special, which is why they're always on the lookout for news of food innovation and the latest trends from around the world. It is 2020, and right now the world is in lockdown over the spread of COVID-19. So, with many foodies now stuck inside, Taster have decided to make this podcast to keep your taste buds craving and to give you inspiration for what to do once we're all out of this crisis. I'm Sophia Greenacre, actress, writer, keen eater, and the host of this podcast. This week, we're talking about supporting local businesses, making goat the new chicken, the pressures of chefs having to constantly adapt their menus to this new world, and what, if anything, really makes the 21st century dining experience great. Basically, I hate fine dining. Let's eradicate everything of that pretentiousness crap. (laughs) <laughs> that when you go in there, they end up whispering to each other or the waiter gives the man the wine menu and someone pushes a chair behind you. Let's eradicate all that crap. That was James Cochran, one of the UK's most imaginative chefs, whose experience working in Michelin-starred restaurants has allowed him to launch his own restaurant, 1251, and recently a delivery-only service called Around the Cluck. Let's dig in. How are you doing? Good, thanks. How are you? Yeah, good. Yeah, really, really good. I mean, it's uh, weird times we're in at the moment, obviously. But uh, yeah, do you know what? I think, I think like being a chef, you're constantly under pressure all the time. Yeah. Like, your whole life, you're constantly under pressure. So it's been nice to kind of slow down, look after your body a little bit more, uh, time to kind of recharge your batteries. I mean, it's savage circumstances, unfortunately. Yeah, that's what everyone's uh, saying there, using this time to like actually think about your diet and like maybe do some exercise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm still trying to figure that one out. I mean, uh, I mean, I'm cycling a lot more, and we've got a dog as well, so we walk that like twice a day. So, yeah, just eat, eating healthier um, and trying not to drink too much, really. Oh, that's that's a, a <laughs> constant issue. Like three p.m., I'm like, I think it's time for a beer. <laughs> yeah, and it was on my day off, and usually it's before midday. Yeah, <laughs> because I've got nothing to do for the next couple of days, basically. What now? Yeah, like so, my my, I work really from Wednesday to Sunday. Yes. You kind of deal with the prep at twelve fifty one, and then it's like adjusting your mind to like literally. You might as well call me Byron from Byron Burgers because what I'm doing is literally just putting fried chicken in a burger. I mean, it's uh, and I've never eaten so much fried chicken in my life. In but, this- um, and then and then Monday, Tuesday is kind of like. Tuesday, Monday, just kind of recovering from Sunday, and then Tuesday, I'm, then Tuesday, I'm kind of cooking again, and then like back in it. So, do you know what? I think I need a holiday once uh, once this all finishes. I saw on your Instagram that <laughs> you were making some food for for fire for the fire brigade. Yes. So, um, so like really, with twelve fifty one, we we massively um, a massive clientele really come from the local neighbourhood area, mm. and we try to kind of support as many people as we could through this pandemic. So we saw something, we saw something at the time that uh, the fire brigade were, they couldn't go to Sainsbury's because everything they run out of food. You know, when it, like everything kind of kicked off and yeah. everyone was just going bonkers and they had no food. So we thought it'd be kind of a nice gesture uh, to kind of sort them out some food. And um, <laughs> yeah, they, they enjoyed it a lot. So yeah, so it's always nice to kind of do something grateful because we, we have so much love and support from our local community that, yeah, it's nice to kind of give back in one way or another if it's giving food to NHS or 
or like at the end of the night when we finish what we've got left over is we kind of hand out to all the homelessness all the homeless people so anything we can do to support them yeah like you said you, you were already so set up to trans like to transition to delivery only yep your food is fine dining do you exactly like you're kind of in the minority of the of the fine dining community that is has opted to to go into delivery then you're a chef, okay, and every single thing that you do, you want to put 100% into that plate of food. Yeah. And I'm quite wary of places like Pigeon and Hyde mm. that are doing these delivery services because you're basically, you're plating this food on a plastic plate that, first of all, is not reflection of your food because you eat with your eyes. Yeah. And then you're putting it into the delivery service and you don't know what it's going to be like at the end of that delivery. Yeah. So I, when, we, when we decided we are going to do delivery service, I was like, I'm not going to put my food on there, but my buttermilk fried chicken that's kind of put me on the map in some kind of ways is, some, is a kind of an easy gateway for me to get in delivery service. And people know me for my fried chicken. Yeah. And we know that fried chicken is very adaptable and is good in delivery service. Yeah, it travels well. And yeah, and yeah, I'm just wary of people. I mean, I know in the day that restaurants do have to survive and people have to adapt, but I don't want people to tarnish what they have in the long run when it things go back to normal. You know what I mean? Yeah. Another guest we had on here, Tim Anderson. So his restaurant Nanban in Brixton yep. have like created a slightly different delivery version of their normal menu so I think equally wary of being like oh this is what you can expect from us like you don't want to be like this is a 1251 plate of food because it's not yeah. you, have to, no. you have to like repackage it to make sense of it when yeah it yeah yeah and here's the thing like we kind of came up with the name around the clock and this was like such a good name, by the way. A few months, yeah, a few months prior, a few months prior to that, and I always had this kind of chicken concept in the back of my mind. <laughs> I think, I think, and we were doing some research over there, and I think fried chicken is like the third most research, like takeaway kind of option. So we're looking at going into Battersea, and if you know Nine Elms and Battersea quite well, it's evolving a lot in in everything basically. So we're looking to move into there and kind of just carry on playing with it and I think it's so fun because it's not like you're it's not like you're launching it and then you've got a PR team coming down and then you've got reviewers coming in it's just literally just yeah. I'm launching this thing and I and I and I have so much time to test what works what doesn't are these sides good enough it's and then when you, if you open a restaurant you know from that day when you open the door everything has to be 100% on it so it's trial and error on it and it's fun and it's good and you're getting feedback and like I've said this this week I'm changing the whole menu completely. It's so cool. It's so like democratic and unpretentious in that way. Like Yeah, it is. If people like it, they'll buy it, but you don't have to like wait for a Guardian food critic to give you <laughs> of course. the opportunity to do this. <laughs> of course. We're taking a quick break, so now will be the perfect time to go and have a look at Taster on Uber Eats and Deliveroo and check out all their cool concepts. If you're in Paris, London, Brighton, Madrid or Dubai, try searching Taster on Deliveroo or Uber Eats to see which of their kitchens are in your area. 
And remember to follow at Taster Kitchens on Instagram to stay up to date with the latest from Taster and their kitchen concepts. Is it a plus? If I'm back in by September, is that a plus? I don't think it is. Because if restaurants open back up and then now you're going to be paying what rent because you need social distancing, then you've got to look at it as well. The, the, the ambience, the atmosphere, people can have the fear to go and eat there. Mm. And then imagine if a restaurant was 60 covers, but now you can only do 12 covers. How's the, how are you going to survive? What's the rent going to be? Like, there's so many unexplained questions that nobody will get answered over the course of time. But I'm not even sure if I want to... If I can carry on doing my delivery, delivery service, possibly until things do go back to normal, whenever that may be, I think I may rather do that. Wow. Than actually doing my 1241 because it's not the full experience. It's not what you're going to be getting. It's not when you come to 1241, it's about good food, good service, and we love to play hip hop music and a good ambience. And people are going to be wary and feared. And I'm just very cautious of what yeah. we are about, what yes. we are about. Yeah. And I, and I may just carry on playing my delivery or maybe doing once a week, maybe doing like a, a special, it's a tough one, like doing a special, like say 10 course menu, because there's going to be money around it. And there's going to be people that want to go out have been locked up. So yeah. it's what is going to be right for 1251 is the most important thing I think at the end of the day. Can we, can we talk about how you got to 1251? Is it a stroke? Are you a strokes fan? Is it a- no, no, my my. I was about to say my boyfriend. No, my business partner. He's um, he's um, <laughs> he's um, he's a massive Strokes fan. But um, it all kind of stemmed from. So, like, really, when the kind of first pop up scene kind of came out um, back many moons ago, um, and I was working at Harwood Arms, and my four my four housemates at the time, who were best mates, were really like. Loved the food that I did and kind of saw the pop-up scene going out. My best mate, he was a West Ham coach and he was over in the States at the time. The pop-up scene was a bit more evolved as it was over in the UK. And he kind of came back and he was like, well, I'm going to look after so-and-so. Like, I'll look after reservations. I'll do the cooking, obviously me. One will do the front of house and blah, blah, blah. And then we did start up a, a pop-up called Campbell Love. Um, and we did one like South London, North, East, West. And one of our friends worked for Purple PR, so they gave us a little bit of buzz around it. And I did, and basically my business partner now had a pub over on Upper Street called um, The Steam Passage. Okay. And um, I took over on New Year's Eve, basically. And um, his food was like a Young's pub, so it was like an Ala Bing type vibe. And I don't really kind of think he saw the kind of food that I was doing at the time. And he was like, I really love your food. And it was New Year's Eve, and we were absolutely hammered. And he was like, yeah, if I was going to business, like, sometime in the future... And um, and then literally, like, we were like, yeah, hugging each other, like, absolutely smashed. And then the 12.51 stroke song came, and we're like, yeah, we'll call it 12.51. So oh. then I... I <laughs> um, but you're, you're from the seaside originally. Yes. So I'm from uh, from Whitstable. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, the Whitstable Bay Blonde Beer, isn't there? Yes, there is. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's just the best beer in the world <laughs> it's pretty nice yeah um i was i was born in margate raised up in whitstable um and my um my 
parents sent me to a convent. I'm not too sure why they did that. Um, See how? Yeah, baffled really by. Yeah, yeah, straight. Pardon? Uh, from like five to like eleven. Oh, so like, <laughs> it's crazy, eh? I never really, I never really asked my parents why. I just, and then, you hug. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so getting teached by nuns was pretty um, weird. But I think I didn't know any difference. So, yeah. yeah. So anyway, my parents and my dad really was like, I'm saying you're a convent, private education. And my dad really came from nothing and made something himself. So he was kind of really kind of pushing to me from an early age of like, what do you want to do? What do you want to do? Like, I want you to be a barrister, be a lawyer. And I used to cook my mum like making banana bread or like just doing baking my mum. So I knew from the age of eight years old, I wanted to be a chef. And then from there, um, we used to go to this restaurant, we used to go to this restaurant called Wheeler's Oyster Buy in Whitstable. Mm-hmm. It's like famous for like it's oysters and seafood. And I started there when I was 13, just like pot washing. And then uh, like when I was like 15, 16, did a bit of waiting on tables and did a bit of fish prep. And then I, from there, from like when I finished school at 16, I went to college, West, uh, not Westminster, Thunic College. And then from there I left and I worked at a Michelin star restaurant in Kent. And then I thought I was like a dog's bollocks <laughs> at, age, at age like 21 and came to London and just literally got beasted, basically. <laughs> yeah, basically, yeah, yeah. I think a tw- young 21-year-old thinking, oh, yeah, like, yeah, I know, dude, I can cook anything. I'm like, yeah, the bees need me and just, yeah. Uh, one thing to realise is you're always learning as a chef, aren't you? So, so having worked in places like the Ledbury, what do you do differently in your restaurant? What was like a thing you went, yes, thank you, but? Um, <laughs> I, I, okay, no, I hate, okay, basically, I hate fine dining. Yeah. Let's eradicate everything of that pretentiousness crap <laughs> that when you go in there, they end up whispering to each other or the waiter gives the man the wine menu and someone pushes a chair behind you. Let's eradicate all that crap because... In Italy, that... they give two menus, one with the prices and one without, and they give the woman the menu without the prices and the man... With Jesus the Christ, mate. It's, it's horrific, isn't it? Mind-blowing <laughs> that in the 21st century, in 2020, that these things will happen. It's very weird. I was working there, so I was expensing everything and my boyfriend came to visit and they kept the <laughs> menu with no prices. I was like, I'm paying. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, strange, isn't it? So, <laughs> get rid of the pretension. Yeah, eradicate all that crap, and yeah, and that's what I'm kind of really, I'm really proud of doing that. I think twelve fifty one is for anybody and everybody with no demographics. If you're ten years old to one hundred ten years old, come in, and there's going to be no that kind of pretentious or no nothing around what we do. Again, <clears throat> you kind of like. There's so many chefs that kind of leave restaurants and open up their own thing, but have no real kind of identity of who they are. Yeah. And that's what I did. I literally left there and I was just was basically like a library 2.0. And then, um, and then I just found like, okay, like I need to really kind of understand a bit more my roots and really more about who I am with like, of course I know I'm Scotty, I'm half Scottish and half uh, Vincentian, but kind of like let's start playing with that produce and showcasing that on my plates. And that's what I try to do with at 12.51, kind of try to showcase like Whitsville produce or Kent produce to Vincentian or West Indian produce and using Scottish and uh, the beautiful produce all over. So it's just like an interesting hybrid to play with. 
good. Yes, one hundred percent. It's yeah, like you, you think of Scotland, you think that you've got beautiful like langoustines, scallops, razor clams. Then you've got like your Douglas fir. Then you've got your venison, and you've got lovely beef up there. Then you've got your whiskies. You've got oats, like yeah. So it, there's so much to kind of play with. You've got haggis as well. Then you've got your West Indian. Then you've got so many different kind of spices. You've got your like. Yeah, different things you can kind of play on, and then Whitstable, where Ken, you know, the kind of England, so you've got lovely fruit and lovely vegetables. So it's, I don't really try, I don't really mash the dishes together, um, but I try to showcase, like, on my menu, like, say, a dish from each region or someplace and put that on there. And I think, and in day, if you kind of cook from your heart, I mean, there's no real kind of flow to my food. But I mean, that doesn't really bother me in some kind of way. I just think for me, if it's like really nice, bold, intense flavors, then people are going to like it. And I think, and if you can kind of tell a story about what you do, about like kind of your roots, about any kind of story, if you had this kind of, I remember I could tell a story about my fried chicken. So the reason how I got onto my buttermilk fried chicken was that my mum thought it was integral for me to understand my West Indian culture. So when I was younger, I used to go to Brixton back in like the early 90s, like 1993. And uh, my mum used to get her hair done in Brixton Village. And um, it was quite rough around there. So I used to wait in there. But my mum used to go out and get fried chicken. And I was like, this fried chicken was unbelievable. Then to find out later in life that it was from Morley's. So, <laughs> from, that, so from that fried chicken kind of came my buttermilk jerk fried chicken because I remember that first taste of that fried chicken was unbelievable so i thought let's try and bring jamaican jerk buttermilk fried chicken with your scotch bonnet jam blah 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 etc and we and that story comes from there so that dish is like one of my proudest dishes even though uh, like skills wise it's very simple but it's very comforting it's a very comforting dish and yes and of all the things i put on a menu it's always my go-to thing that i'd end up eating every day i wanted to ask you about goat yeah um you say on your website that it's sustainable i'm i'm i've been yeah. a vegetarian for years for seven years and i um mainly just because i never liked meat and i found it stressful to eat but now i claim it's for ethical reasons and <laughs> no i i don't know goat is a sustainable yes basically when the kid is born it's basically slaughtered because us humans we want to consume the goat's milk and they only keep the male kids obviously to reproduce so the female kids were getting slaughtered so my whole kind of vision was with my west indian background to really kind of push goat and to get it out there it failed miserably yeah i think people are not cooking with goat enough in the uk Mm. you look at it from the way that we're brought up we were brought up on pork chicken beef lamb yeah. Goat was never to be seen. Mm. And if you put if you put a hundred restaurants out and you have if so if you put like a chicken joint restaurant, a burger joint restaurant, a goat restaurant, and you put a hundred people in front of them, I guarantee hundred people are gonna go to the chicken or burger place over the goat. So you try and shop local and support people. Is that a luxury you feel you can afford? That's a priority you make? Um, because it is more expensive, right? One hundred percent it's more expensive. <laughs> Yeah, it, to my defence in some kind of ways, I think you're completely correct. Like, it is a luxury and it's way more expensive. And I think 
every year people's pockets get tighter and tighter. But because I'm very rarely at home, mm-hmm. I'm working so much, and I barely cook at home, I do go the extra mile to try and support in some kind of way in that. But I think with this pandemic and things changing, I think as a whole collective, like we need to kind of be supporting more of our local meat suppliers, mm-hmm. fish suppliers, and stay away from large consumers because you're going to have a piece of meat that's been loved and cared for and it could be heritage grown or or that farmer has invested time in that animal yeah. and given it a good life. And I think people need to kind of, kind of step away from the big consumer and maybe look at small kind of butchers and farmers where they can get this kind of produce online and really support them. Yeah. And you're going to see a difference in taste and cut down the amount of meat that people are eating and make it more of a special occasion for people. Thank you oh, for talking to me. No worries. Really interesting. Um, where can people find you? What, how do they find you on Deliveroo and everything? Um, so if you're in like a three mile radius of 1251 restaurant on Upper Street Angel, you're in luck. Um, and then you can go via a link on our 1251 on Instagram or through Chef James Cochran on Instagram or check out our website www.1251.co.uk and you can click on the link to Around the Clock on there and I think I've plugged enough so yeah <laughs> nice one thank you so much take care peace take care bye it was so great chatting to James and to learn how he's adapted his food to suit delivery making even me craven around the clock, and I'm a vegetarian. I also loved his laid-back attitude and dislike of fine dining, super unpretentious and cool. He's also a strong supporter of shopping local, which is becoming a recurring theme for a lot of our guests. If you liked this podcast, please share it with your friends and join us again in the next episode. And also remember to follow at Taster Kitchens on Instagram to get the latest from Taster. Join me again soon for the next episode with a new special guest and stay safe.